We didn't see this coming, so what else will we not see coming in the future? If you don't disrupt your business, someone else will. I don't see a lot of businesses doing this well. Leading innovation through a business is all about asking the questions. Can we do things better? Maybe I don't go back to the normal way. Maybe I continue and grow this. This event is here, but what's next? Predicting the future of business may be impossible, but preparing for it has never been more crucial. As the business landscape changes daily... Could matching that change with your own innovation be the way forward? You are listening to In Business with BDO. Welcome to In Business with BDO, where we bring the experts to you to share their insights on the top issues and topics impacting organisations and finance-related issues affecting individuals in Australia today. I'm your host, Jennifer Mary, and in this episode, we're discussing innovation, its essential role in successful business, and how and why it's taken centre stage in these current times of uncertainty. But first, what is innovation? I have this sort of overall view that um, innovation is really about purposeful change that has a positive social or economic impact. And I really like that definition because it's not too narrow. I think sometimes if you define it too tightly, it can really restrict your thinking. Meet Tanya Titman. She's the Head of Strategic Innovation for BDO Australia. My role is very much around uh, creating an innovation culture across BDO and to work with our global team as well. So coming up with some ways and ideas in which we can foster innovation right throughout the organisation. I guess when you sort of think of innovation, you, you commonly see a lot of incremental innovation within business models where they you know simply take you know current tasks and processes and products and gradually improve them and, and make things more efficient more effective and sometimes create that competitive advantage and then you've sort of got the disruptive innovation and the types of you know, technological inventions that we we sort of see um, that really impact the marketplace pretty heavily and, and you know i guess we've all heard of of Uber and Airbnb, you know, they're, they're great examples of disruptive innovation. My name's Matt Lamming. I'm partner in Adelaide and, and the National Lead for Business Services in Australia. In terms of national business services, we've been evolving the business model over the last few years and a lot of that has included a lot of innovation. We're trying to improve our existing services, our existing processes, make things work better internally. And then you have this really disruptive innovation that might be new business models and doing things really differently. And we're seeing quite a bit of those at the moment. Both Tanya and Matt speak a lot about disruption. Of course, they're referring to business-led disruption, a conscious disturbance of industry. At present, though, we're seeing a different sort of disruption, an external global disturbance that very much threatens a status quo and how most industries do business. Matt and Tanya are here to answer the big question. What can businesses do to navigate out of this current uncertainty? Innovation is at the heart of the answer. It is a really challenging environment and and I think business as usual is just not an option for most businesses. So it puts people in this different mindset and that mindset is really great to foster innovation. So you know, in working in innovation now, it's so much easier to to shift people's thinking and to move towards something different because we're kind of in survival mode. I think it's really good to to keep this 
top of mind is how do we do more with less? Because, you know, you've, you've got less resources, things are needing to go tighter, and how do you actually produce more or a better result with less resources? And that starts, that kind of starts the thinking around innovation. And actually, there's far less resistance. So getting everyone involved and getting this innovation culture sort of really bubbling in a business is ordinarily quite difficult. And, you know, you've got a lot of resistance, you've got a lot of barriers, there's no reason for people to change. But what we have at the moment is an incredible opportunity because people do need to change. They recognize things have to change. They've got to find ways around doing what they would normally do. I mean, that's what innovation is. It's really around this purposeful change and we're looking for a better outcome as a result of it. Yeah, and I tend to agree with Tanya. Innovation now is probably a little bit easier because we've got the pain points. You know, we talk about burning platforms all the time. A burning platform being the issue in a business that needs an immediate fix. We've had the ultimate burning platform in terms of the COVID virus. Now, that's forced change within business, rightly or wrongly. And the thing now is to embrace that, understand it and make your business better. Tanya or Matt, do you have any specific examples of businesses that have responded positively or perhaps negatively to the COVID-19 situation? We had a great example, a large-scale butcher retailing predominantly to the hospitality sector and obviously the hospitality sector was pretty heavily hit and therefore the large-scale butcher was was impacted pretty heavily as well because there went his client base, they weren't purchasing. They pivoted really quickly got up a virtual presence within a week and in a short period of time were sort of retailing from certain bottle shop areas as well as going direct to market, which sort of enabled them to maintain a level of cash flow and keep moving. We also saw, you know, gin distillers move from making gin to making hand sanitizer, utilising their equipment for another cause and build new revenue streams. Like they're, they're just a couple of great examples of just thinking differently. And everything from some of your top restaurants that would never have considered a takeaway or delivery option moving to online. You've got, you know, gyms and fitness centers that had to move into an online. So everything, most of the opportunities that you see are certainly involving a digital transformation of some sort. And that's typically for those businesses, a channel that they may never have contemplated or been forced to contemplate in the past. So so this whole digital transformation has been really prevalent in most of these business opportunities that we've seen where innovation has been front and centre. There's also been businesses which have been massively impacted in a really negative way where I have a, um, someone in the event management industry now, all of their events have been cancelled. So it's an industry that has been really decimated. It's, it's had quite a negative impact across the board and, and those businesses are pretty much closed down or hibernating for the moment. So seeing some of those opportunities where they're looking at technology and again, digital transformation and digital projects. On the back of Tanya's point around the event management, like that's a really interesting one. And, and I think the opportunities that, that, that do come out of that, and there's no doubt that our profession is one that attends conferences all the time. But the advent of the virtual experience and the virtual conference we've sort of seen and some of these event management groups have sort of moved towards coordinating those virtual conferences. But it's, 
given the limitations that we've seen on travel and mass gatherings, that, that that's more than likely going to continue for some time. But the online experience has opened up a, a world of more opportunity. And I think, you know, not only from a personal development and access perspective, but also cost efficiency, you know, less travel within the business. But also with the virtual conference, you tend to get sponsors that would be involved in a conference that were only really sort of aligned to that industry, whereas now under a virtual experience. So sponsors that are outside of the industry but are more focused at an individual sort of impact can sort of come in and and sponsor those conferences. If your business has multiple locations, then you can now start sort of going across states and territories quite easily. You can be bringing staff training sessions and running those across the board instead of having them in separate locations. So all of a sudden, we're starting to unlock some great capacity and, and productivity opportunities within businesses. And then how do we make the best use of those resources? As you think through and solve the problems and look at the opportunities, I think there's, there's solutions and, and opportunities in all of that. So is it realistic for businesses to think they can just recover, rebuild, and then just go back to the way they were operating prior to COVID? I think the longer that we're in this holding pattern, the less likely that businesses will resume to a pre-COVID kind of operational sense. I think that it's more likely that we're going to see businesses that will evolve with a model beyond this. And I think what this has brought to many businesses is an opportunity to strengthen, to, to go lean, to become more resilient. And all of those things will actually lead to a stronger business at the other side. So I actually, I'm starting to think the longer that we're in this situation and going through this current environment and a second wave coming, it's actually not about going back to pre-COVID operations. I think that's a step backwards. The opportunity here is for businesses to come out stronger. So really challenging the thinking to the underlying financial models and business models will allow people to come out actually with a better and stronger business. It is a great question and you know, Tanya's spot on. Like, Is pre-COVID the right operations. That's what I would be asking yourself as a business owner. History suggests that recovery and rebuilding will always occur. That really comes back to confidence, confidence in business owners, confidence in consumers, in lending institutions. And I guess when we've got that confidence and it's in the marketplace, you'll always have that supply and demand. But is our approach to delivering our product or service pre-COVID the right approach and I I think the learnings out of what has occurred is so important to pick those things up, review it and refine your business and, and improve your business model. And it's not just opportunities to refine and rebuild. Tanya has observed more subtle ways that business innovation can and has prospered in this time. We've seen some great opportunities where businesses have been able to really do some projects that were on the back burner all the time and you know, they just never got around to. So it's actually given people the space to think and to think a little bit more strategically. And that's often for many businesses and for business owners, that's a challenge, actually getting that headspace when they're so caught up in the business. So I think that there's been some really positives that have come out for many businesses in, in having that opportunity to step back and breathe. Of course, at the heart of using or losing innovation opportunities is best practice operations. 
But what does best practice look like? Best practice I talk about quite heavily and Tanya and I sort of talk about this quite a bit. To really sort of work through this environment, my view is is best practice really looks like you know understanding first and foremost your break-even point. So what are the costs that you've got in your business fixed and variable? Um, what's the revenue that you, you really have to um, understand to ensure you know that you can cover costs? And then secondly, it's the budget. You know, what does your budget look like? What are your, your KPIs that drive that budget? When I talk about a budget, it's about, you know, understanding all the assumptions. It's not just taking last year and working out one twelfth of, of, you know, maybe 2% uplift or, or things like that. It's actually understanding what drives those costs, what drives those revenues, building your budget forecast around that. Each month, actually budget tracking that. Um, that should be um, both profit and loss balance sheet and cash flow. You need to have a 12-month outlook on profit forecasts and cash flow forecasts, but you also need a 90-day operational cash flow, day-to-day cash flow that you can push and pull really quickly. So, you know, understanding that next week, do I have a cash shortage and what can I do in that model to, to ensure that I can get through next week, pay the wages, do those things. To really sort of formulate innovation in your business, you've got to understand your business. And part of that's understanding sort of what your processes are. We talked about making improvements to processes and even products and product delivery. To me, the best practice is really getting a good handle on your business, both financially and operationally, and that's going to allow you to drive innovation within the business. And don't forget to ask your customers as well. Like if if you're thinking about pivoting, making a change, or even going back to business as usual, I think it's a really great opportunity to ask your customers what is it that they need because business as usual might not be what they want. We often forget to ask the questions of the people that really have all the answers for us that we're trying to serve the needs of them. So looking at information from your customers, looking at your marketing and engagement data, looking at your financial data, like it's all there and it's just a matter of bringing it all together and stepping back, having a clear look at it and having the planning in place. When you're in a situation where it's 11th hour and you're trying to make decisions and you don't have all the facts, it's often when you'll make the wrong decision or an emotional decision. And so it's getting back to this really data-based decision-making, which is just critical through this period of time. I have some really great businesses that are in the online retail space. So they were already in the online space prior to this crisis. So they've been able to move very fast. But even though they're in a good space and and in online, they've continually gone back to the data and reassessed and and re-looked at it and worked out ways in which they can pivot. And even to the point where when we work through the scenario planning, thinking about the impact on the future customer. So one of the businesses that we've worked with has had a look at it and said, well, actually the impact um, potentially of what's going to happen with JobKeeper and JobSeeker is that their key market could really be impacted and find it really hard to buy their product. Now, as a result, they're starting to look at then who would then be the next logical customer and how do they start pivoting their marketing information in order to tap into that future customer and start pivoting now as opposed to sort of wait till something happens where they see the impact. 
So, you know, it, it's a constant thing and, and it's really, I try to work with a lot of the, the clients in this space and get them to really obsess on their data. So, look at it daily and weekly and I think we've got to look at it much more often than we ordinarily would because there's so much information coming through at the moment and, and it's changing daily and it's very uncertain. I don't see um, a lot of businesses doing this well. So, what I think is if you put yourself in that position where you are making clear decisions based on data, then you're probably in the top 1% or 2% of businesses that you know are really going to strengthen through this period. Sure, we've got JobKeeper for, for the next few months and maybe beyond, but what happens post that? What happens for the next event? that will impact your business. Are you business ready? And to me, it really comes down to what Tanya was saying. It comes down to how well you have planned and being able to be agile and adapt really quickly if an event occurs. What we found with those businesses that we work with that do have best practice reporting, best practice process in in their business model already when the crisis hit, they knew the things that they needed to address. Now, the thing that they did was do a list of those things that they needed to address and then went and got the data really quickly and then made their sound decisions. But they, they made those decisions on good data, as, as Tanya points out. The ones that didn't have that stuff in place really sort of struggled through and, and you know, again, um, have found ways and means to get through generally by implementing some of these processes into their business but that time lag of even a few weeks makes a significant difference my view is when we sort of come out of this bubble that we're in is those businesses that have have been in best practice space they'll be the ones that really prosper and are looking to grow and are strategically making decisions Matt, when you say bubble, you're referring to the government support? Yeah, definitely. The the JobKeeper legislation we've got in place, the bank deferrals, the ATO deferrals, they all come home to roost at some point in the future. And, and it's at that point where, you know, I think businesses will, will really need to be on top of their numbers and their forecasts to be able to understand whether their viability is there. And for those that have really worked that process well through this last four or five months and actually balanced all of those things well, they'll be the ones that can really take advantage of of acquisition and, and investment. What are the risks involved for a business that might be thinking of trying new ways of doing things or new products, but they're afraid because of risk? Are there ways of minimising those risks? And what are they? Well, I think the easiest way to minimise risk is fail fast. You know, that's that's the one thing you want to do in, uh, whenever you're sort of uh, testing something or, or trying a level of innovation or disruption in the business is you want to get to whether it's going to succeed or fail reasonably quickly. Now, we've sort of seen organisations spend uh, many mountains of, of dollars over the years to implement things that haven't worked. The businesses that do them well are the ones that come up with the idea, foster that idea, but get to a critical decision point reasonably quickly in that that sort of timeline and then move forward or don't. 
If data-led best practice operations are the backbone of successful innovation, then a forward-thinking culture is at the heart. It's one thing to balance the books. It's another to foster a culture of innovation to drive the change. The innovation culture is one that it has to filter right throughout. So you, you have to have this concept, and I love the wording around this that I often speak about, which is, is giving people the freedom and the responsibility to to think differently. So some of the things that is worth looking at in terms of your business is what are the KPIs that you're measuring your people by? Because the way that we measure our people, that's the way in which we're trying to incentivize or move them towards. Now, for many businesses, we're incentivizing or we're measuring people by the wrong things. It actually doesn't allow them to have freedom, doesn't allow them to have responsibility. It doesn't allow them to try different things to to come up with new ideas. So firstly, you've got to look at the culture and how you're measuring your people and and what success means because that's often the the first thing that stops innovation happening. If you're measuring someone by the job they do and it's productivity-based and you've got to do 80 or 90% productivity, well, that's not giving them any opportunity to think differently or to come up with ideas of ways in which they could help the business going forward. So that's one of the things that you need to look at. The other thing that I'd say is innovation doesn't sit with one person. So in my role, it's very much around innovation, but it's not about me coming up with all the ideas. It's about how do I deploy and and get all of those ideas coming from the entire business and sort of bubbling up. Um, So innovation really has to filter right throughout the organization, but it has to be led by the business owner or, or by the leadership team. They're the ones that have to allow people to be innovative and to bring those ideas to the fore. So the things that generally make it so much harder are people's mindsets and people not needing to change. So the thing that's really made innovation much easier now is that there's been a trigger or a change in the business in terms of the way it normally operates. And to to be able to continue operating that business, we now need to do something different. And what is it that we need to do different? And and getting people involved in solving that problem is what we're currently seeing as opposed to someone trying to push against the tide and actually force people to change. So there's far less resistance. There's far more willingness, I think, for the entire workforce to be involved in the solution because it's their futures that are being impacted. So if, if this business doesn't survive, then they don't they don't have a job either. So you're actually seeing this involvement of everyone in trying to solve the problem of how they get this business you know, to, to be able to grow and continue throughout this period. And that's really what innovation is all about. You know, I always talk about challenging the status quo and, and to me, leading innovation through a business is all about asking the questions, you know, can we do things better? Is there a better way? And what if, what if, what if? Ultimately, that's that's what you've got to be continuously asking yourself as a business owner, as an organisation, if you want to be thinking about innovation consistently. And it is about consistency. As increasing digitisation breaks down the borders of business, Tanya says healthy innovators should consider their potential global impacts. I think many businesses tend to have a mindset that is more local and uh, we do tend to have a mindset that, you know, probably fences us in a little bit. 
I work with a lot of startup and businesses that are going through high growth periods and I just think there's an incredible uh, opportunity for them to go global and that opportunity exists now more than ever. Interestingly, you know, when you travel to some other countries around the world, they go global from day one. They, they set up their business and they set up all the systems and the processes and even their documentation to be global from day one. And, you know, this, this is something that I think is a really interesting to, thing to think about from an Australian perspective is, is what are the global opportunities? Because I think we're in a really great position to have, you know, much more of a global footprint across many businesses now, um, more so than we've ever had. As we navigate through the COVID environment, how do you plan for the next Black Swan event? I was talking to a business owner on the weekends and ultimately you know, that was the discussion that we were having is around having in place business resilience, disaster recovery plans in place for the business and that's across all elements of your business, not just financial, it's your people resources, it's, it's your supply chain, customers, you know, all those elements. You've got to have a, a deep understanding of all those elements and what makes your business tick and then what's in place to build and grow that, but also what's in place to protect it. I think it's interesting that we didn't see this coming. So what what else will we not see uh, coming in the future? And, you know, I love this concept. Jim Collins, who I love, is has, you know, this great concept of productive paranoia. And I think that's really relevant. And businesses who have operated in that mindset where they're always wondering what's coming and actually having a healthy dose of paranoia to focus on always improving what they do and and always evolving the business model for the future that's the mindset that we should be going forward with I think as a result of this I think it's a really healthy mindset to have and probably those businesses that uh, potentially become a bit complacent and settle back into business as usual will find it hard to navigate you know the next black swan event thing that uh, would disappoint me, I think, for many businesses is if they go back to business as usual, then I think it's really good to continue to explore. So if you have tried something different, if you've, you've opened up a new revenue line, if you've opened up a new channel or a new product or service because of what's happened, explore it for a little longer. Don't shut it down looking at the future and saying, what is the impact? What might this look like in the future? And rather than just shutting it down and going back to the original business model, could we go forward with both revenue streams or both products and, and what would that look like? So exploring a little bit more of a sustainable model into the future as opposed to this is a stopgap measure that we've just had to do, uh, I think is, a, again, a good opportunity. Certainly something that they would never have had and may not have that opportunity again. Thank you to our expert guests, Tanya Tipman and Matt Lamming. For more resources and expert advice, head to the BDO website or you can reach out to Tanya and Matt on LinkedIn. You're listening to In Business with BDO. Remember to subscribe and rate this podcast in your favourite podcast app and send us your comments and questions to podcast at bdo.com.au. I've been Jennifer Mary and we'll see you next time when we explore another topic essential to the way we do business and live our modern lives.